Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on Seattle Sports. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. What's up, what's up? You're listening to Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection. Every Thursday, right here at 7 o'clock on Seattle Sports 710, broadcasting live from the Bellevue Square Center Court. I am Michael Bumpus with my guy, Paul Moyer, a.k.a. Moyeezy. What's up, Moye? How you doing, man? I am just happy to be here. Glad you're hosting. Great crowd as always. And look, we got, uh, this is a special week for me because we got throwback, throwback week here. Uh, and we get to Miles Adams here. We get to ask him about that as well. We got cool. throwback week coming up and we got to, uh, we get to talk to a guy early who's going to wear that throwback jersey, Miles Adams. What's up, Miles? How you doing? Man, I'm blessed, man. I can't complain. How about y'all? Hey, uh, we're blessed too, man. You're here joining us on a Thursday night. Uh, what do your Thursday nights look like? You know, some guys are, are getting treatment. Uh, they're at the at the uh, the VMAG. What are you doing on a Thursday night? Your typical Thursday night. Typical Thursday night. Uh, get a little bit of body work done post practice, but turn on some film, watch practice. But I got to turn on Thursday night football. What's happening on Thursday night football right now? We don't have it on, on, going on right now. Who's winning? Yeah, it's Bucks and the Bills going right now. Uh, I just turned it on, so it's on commercial. <laughs> so I, I don't even know who's ahead right now. Miles, everybody said you're going to love when you get him on the show. He's got the smoothest voice, radio voice, and you do not disappoint, my man. That is uh, that is sweet. Do, do you actually have aspirations at some point to try and take over Michael Bumpus' role and actually get into media? <laughs> take over a role? I don't know. Maybe uh, do one of my own or something of that nature. I've been told that before, though. I appreciate it. Hey, smooth as heck. Hey, man, um, I want to take you back to the New York Giants, man. Everybody was eating. Lots of sacks going on there. But you got yourself your first career sack. Have you had, like, a moment to let that sink in and enjoy it? I know everybody was getting it. But, uh, man, you got yours. What was that moment like? Man, the timing was kind of crazy because we had a bye week right after that game on a Monday night primetime slot. So I got a whole week to soak it in and went back home to Texas to see my mother and sorts, and they kept reminding me of my first act. So I got to really, really It's been fun to, to watch the defensive line this year. I mean, it's very different than last year. Last year you were – you guys are probably more of a traditional 3-4 defensive line. You had some big guys, you know, with their, their hands down. Usually their feet were parallel, more of a two-gap, it felt like. This year you guys are smaller and you're quicker. And a lot of times it's just two of you out there. Um, is that something they emphasize this year that, hey, we're going we're gonna to use speed and quickness to disrupt rather than size? Yeah, uh, you could say that. I think it's more so utilizing the, sh the skill set that our D-line room presents. You know, we got guys like Jaron Reed back, and we signed guys like Draymond Jones and uh, Mario Edwards. You know, I call him Rio, but we got some good bad presences in that defensive line room, and it was just a really good, uh, really good edge to have those quick twitch uh, attacking style guys because that is what we've been highlighting. It's been working. Well, and when I look at your game, and I, I remember when you flashed in preseason a couple years ago, we, we always give an MVP to the preseason, and you were one of ours a couple of years ago. Is this give you 
I mean, does it fit your, obviously, your skill set more and give you, hopefully, more opportunities to play because they are looking for those more quick twitch guys? Yeah, uh, definitely. I know that's one thing that uh, the the coaches rave about and they uh, talk about with me is my uh, quickness. That's one of my uh, top attributes, I'd say, to my game <laughs> is what I'd say. So that is something that I highlight. It's more so based on the opponent in the, uh, in the game plan, but that is what they like to attack. Uh, they use me to attack the quickness, get up the field, kind of penetrate, get in the backfield. Miles, um, football is a game, and it, it's meant to be fun, but when you're playing at the NFL level, there's a lot of pressure. This is the first year in a few years watching this defense play to where I feel like you guys are having a blast out there, man. What's it like playing with this group um, and executing the way that you guys have been executing? Man, that's a loaded question. I don't even know how to answer that question to start. Uh, man, how like getting guys like uh, Bobby back in the offseason and having his presence and getting JB back and uh, signing guys like D. Bush and just the energy they bring and then all the different Jamal, you know, Jamal and JB coming off of those injuries from last season. We've got some guys that need to come back, and it's just, it's just amazing to see. Man, you got to shout out the young guys because they've been balling. Yeah, man. It, it really is remarkable the amount of not just rookies, but you know, first your you know second year players along with the rookies and and their and their productivity. But I, I'm going to take you back a little bit to your college days. You, you went to Rice. Um, you're from Arlington, Texas. That's Dallas country. Um, I know TCU is not that far from from Arlington. What what transpired there? I know you were a two way player in, in high school, both a center and and defensive lineman. But what what got you eventually over to Rice and not maybe TCU and and I, I don't I guess SMU would probably be in there too. Yeah, in high school I definitely uh, went both both ways. Uh, I'll say both ways. So I got to have some fun. I actually had to. I didn't really understand how recruitment worked uh, in the, what, how would I say that? I didn't really understand it in the midst of the process. And so teams were calling me from different conferences and they were offering me at an offensive position. And I wanted to play defensive line. I, I personally like to attack. I like to tackle things. You know, center was fun because you got to just control everything. But I wanted to make my, my living uh, hitting the quarterback. So... Rice was the only camp that my father would pay for. <laughs> and uh, I didn't know it at the time, but my mom has a pretty renowned job, and they recruit from Rice. They recruit Rice graduates, and she told my dad that information, so he only paid for the Rice camp. And I got offered right out of that camp, so I committed. Oh, that's smart. Uh, so your, mo your mom's, uh, is she a finance person? What, do you, yeah, you want to share what yeah, she does? Yeah, she's a finance coordinator for a company called Bain. I think their headquarters sure. are over in Boston, if you've heard of them. But yeah, yeah they she she she's been there for 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 a pretty long time. Shout out to her, man. She she definitely uh, was working in my favor. She always has, but she was looking out for me with that decision for sure. Now that's uh, that was good decision. Rice, obviously, tough school to get into. Good academics, and you never know what's going to happen in the NFL world. So you always want to rely on that degree. I agree, and I was able to get it. Yeah, it's a blessing. I appreciate that. Hey, um, Miles, I'm from Southern California, so um, we there's a battle going on right now, right? Everyone in LA, okay. 
claims in and outs In the Northwest, they claim Dick's Burgers. Something tells me you got a different uh, fast food chain that you like, man. Talk to me about what you want to bring to the Northwest. I don't even think that y'all could handle it, man. <laughs> what you talking about? What you talking about, Miles? Man, man that's a good old-fashioned Whataburger, man. What a burger. Hey, now, now Miles, when we, um, we played Dallas in 2019, and we flew out there for the playoff game, and it was late, and um, I was in. We were in Texas. I go, I need a Whataburger. And I, I stayed in line in the drive-thru for about 45 minutes uh, to get a Sounds burger. I ain't going to lie, right. man. It, it, it was pretty good, man. It, it was an experience for sure. Man, that 45 minutes sounds about right. But I'm glad you enjoyed it, man. I'm glad you're honest. <laughs> <laughs> Miles a cool cat, man. You know, Miles, they used to have a Whataburger in downtown Bellevue. And it closed. I think it closed, didn't it? Yeah, I think it's, it's gone now. Is there one anywhere around here that you can get to? Are you serious? I didn't even know yeah. I had a Whataburger up here. No, they I did. haven't seen one. Yeah, my burger spot up here is probably uh, Burger Master, a little bit North Bellevue. Oh, yeah. No, they they make great ones. Shake Shack's not too bad as well. They got a few of those around it. Look, we're talking food, which is with defensive linemen is always a love language. Always good. Always good. <laughs> yeah, I could talk all day. Hey, Miles, man, um, you know, this defense has turned a corner over the last, since week four, they've only allowed, you guys have only allowed 711 yards. That's the best in the NFL, about 250 yards per game. Uh, what is it? Is it guys that's figured out who they are and the role that they're playing? Is it Clinton Hurt? Like, talk to me and explain why we've been able to see this defense really take the next step. Yeah, it's a little bit of everything, honestly. Uh, kudos and give props to Coach Hurt because he's been uh, putting us in some positions, but it's a cohesive effort from getting guys back and getting them back in position, getting our feet wet and understanding how we can mesh well together and fixing all of our little things because truth be told, if you ask me, we can only uh, beat ourselves. You know, a lot of the things that offenses get their explosives on us on are, you know, run fit issues or little things here and there where we just have to be on our on our assignment and just execute, just out executing all the time. And the last four weeks, we've just been uh, doing pretty good consistently with executing, but we still have work to do. There's always work to be done. Well, we don't have game, to give them anything. No, no, you don't. You guys, I mean, again, I think you said it's a little bit of everything in that, you know, coverage is much better. I think Witherspoon, obviously, and Woolen and bringing Adams and, I mean, Trey Brown. And, you know, so you got coverage to go with with uh, obviously the rush too. But hey, you, you guys definitely are playing a defense this week that is really good. You guys are going to have to outplay this defense. A, a lot of the people here, we got about 500 people here listening to you, don't know that much about Cleveland's offense. So what have you seen from the Browns and, and what kind of challenges are they going to give you? Uh, you know, every offense in the league, they say it's a copycat league. So we'll probably see a lot of similar things that teams have had success on uh, against us. Uh, kind of, a, I guess, a quarterback run game is where we've had a little bit of leakage, uh, a little bit of scrambles in screen game. But they're, they're pretty balanced. Uh, they like to run the ball. You know, I think Cleveland's always prided themselves on their offensive line play, which is a good thing for us. We get to test our, get to test our metal a little bit. But like you said, their defense is outstanding. I think they're number one in the NFL right now. And it's just going to be a really good showcase, really good uh, chance, just opportunity to just be, be the best defense that night. 
All right, Miles, man, uh, we appreciate the insight, and, and we appreciate your time, man. You, you do what you do. Watch that Thursday night football, man, and, uh, and have a good week. Oh, man, already gone? No, I appreciate you guys for your time. <laughs> Thank you. All right, man, take care. That is one smooth voice, and you can tell he's highly intelligent. I just guy. don't like how you're trying to get him to take my job. He can't he can take your job. No, he's he want, to take my no, job. that voice is not mine. My voice can be just disgusting. It's just you got to have some, a, a little bit of, I don't want to say BS, an, <laughs> an, to analyze. You're, that voice there, man, is that's front and center. It is front that and is center. That is sweet It voice. is, it is. Just a reminder, you're listening to Hawks Live presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection. When we return, we'll give you a high-level preview of this week's game versus Cleveland. That's next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court, live on air on Seattle Sports. Welcome back to Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection every Thursday at 7 right here on Seattle Sports 710, broadcasting live from the Bellevue Square Center Court. I'm Michael Bumpus with my man Paul Moyer. Let's, uh, let's talk about these Cleveland Browns and the situation that we're in, man. The Hawks picked up a huge division win last week against the Cardinals and only trailed the 49ers by half a game in the NFC West, Moyer. Half a game in the NFC West. What do you think about that? Is it the defense? Is the offense? Man, tell me no, what you no, think. You weren't at the production meeting today. But, um, <laughs> no, look, first of all, let's just talk about last week because a lot of people, oh, we should have blown them out. And, look, it's a divisional game. We had three backup offensive linemen. We started two rookie wide receivers. Our defense continues to play fantastic football. And what we're doing on our defensive side is – it's complete package now. We can cover. I mean, we got Witherspoon, we got Woolen, we got Trey Brown. All three of those guys are frontline starters for any team in this league. All three of them. Throw now with Jamal Adams. You got Love. You got Diggs. That is the def- that's the secondary we were hoping that it would be. So why is that important? Because last year we couldn't cover. I mean, we just didn't cover well. It, but it, and here's it. Bobby Wagner's covering better. Jordan Brooks is playing lights out. I mean, we got a lot of stuff going on there. Why is that important? Because it allows our front to actually get to the quarterback and get quarterback hits and some sacks along the way. It, if you don't have one, if you don't have a good pass rush, if you don't have a good secondary, you're not going to have a lot of sacks. You're not going to have a lot of uh, interceptions. To be dominant, you got to have both. And this is the first time in probably four or five years where I feel like, oh, man, this has a chance to be really good. We still got a ways to go because we're so young, right? But I'm, I've seen enough sample size to go, okay. And I think the best one is going back to the Cincinnati game. We had all three of our, our DBs, Woolen, uh, Witherspoon, and, and Trey Brown, who locked him up. And I thought he was the best all-around receiver. Who's him? The, Chase? About Chase. Yeah. I thought he was the best all-around receiver in the league. He had 13 targets, six catches. His longest one was when we jumped offside and he pushed off. I think it was on uh, Reek Woolen on a deep comeback. Other than that, we, we had his number. So throw him what we've been doing all year long, and that shut the running game down. Now the numbers are starting to develop where you can say, okay, all that hard work and that, what, that eye test is starting to pay off from a statistical standpoint too. 
Yeah, um, I love the youth, the mix of youth and veterans yes. in that back end, right? You got the two OGs in the back. You got Jamal, you got Quandre, you got the youngsters at the corner spot. And then if you want to go nickel, you slide a youngster in, you bring another youngster outside and Trey Brown, who Stacy and I spoke to today on, uh, on the huddle. And uh, this guy is mature. He understands the game, the way he talks about the game. He has a, uh, he's a young man, but with an old soul. And uh, I love that about this defense, especially on the back end. Man, they're flying around and they're doing their thing. Now, we lost Uchenna Nuosu. He's out. So what do you do? I didn't think they would bring in Frank Clark. I wasn't against it, but I thought that they would promote from within and then bring in some guy to just get in the rotation. No, they brought in a guy who was a pro bowler at one point, had two weeks with the uh, the the uh, Denver Broncos this year wasn't really working out over there. They brought him over here. How do you think he fits into this offense? And what is it? What does it mean for this defense losing a guy like Uchenna Nwosu? Well, I thought Uchenna was one of our most complete players on the defense. And he, you know, we, we looked at when he can, his motor and getting after the quarterback, but the way he sets an edge is incredible. I mean, pound for pound, he's one of the strongest players certainly on the Seahawks, might be in the NFL. I, he could set an edge, and he's got everything he had not to get pushed by a, an offensive tackle. So I think we, we, we loot. It hurts us more in the run game. Mm -hmm. So what is Frank Clark? Frank can play the run pretty well. Um, I don't need him to get double-digit sacks. I think we got enough guys there to, to move around. Look, Boye Mafe has turned into a legit pass rusher. Uh, you're going to give Derek Hall some opportunities and see what happens there. But Daryl Taylor's the one that I know he can rush the passer. If he wants, he, here's his opportunity to be on the field almost every snap, mm -hmm. is that can he set the edge and play good run defense? If he doesn't, I got Frank Clark. I can put Derek Hall in there, and then I can put Frank Clark, and then I can throw Darryl Taylor in, in some pass rushing situations. Losing to Chinna, it hurts us. But we got enough depth to play around with packages. I think we're fine. I think um, I forgot to ask Miles Adams. We do a lot of two defensive linemen. Right where they're and, and we're using quicks a lot of times just uh, Jaron Reed and uh, Draymond um, Jones in that situation and then, then we mix some linebackers and things in there, you know. Do we go more to a traditional three-man front? Do we see more um, Jamal Adams maybe at outside linebacker? Uh, it, so again, sky's the limit on this. I think Coach Hurts has done a really good job of mixing his players, uh, but losing to Chenna definitely hurts. Yeah, it does. And I, I, I expect Daryl Taylor to get more opportunity, at least initially, right? Um, he was a second rounder, almost a first rounder. You're bringing a guy like Frank Clark. I would assume he's only going to play about 25% of the snaps on Sunday unless he gets, he gets into a groove and he's looking really good. But I think this is an opportunity for Daryl Taylor to say, look, I'm not just a third down guy. I can get it done downs one, two when, uh, when I have to play against the run. Um, let's talk about a guy who's been playing really good, man. He's been going under the radar, honestly. Bobby Wagner got a lot of love when he came back, as he should. Number 54, he's a Hall of Famer, uh, 99 overall on Madden at one point. But there's a guy standing next to him a lot of the times when they're base defense that has been playing really good football, coming off of one of the worst injuries you can have as a pro is tearing your ACO. I did not expect Jordan Brooks to play at the level that he's been playing at, and last game was probably his best game. I think we saw the potential the last few years. Um, certainly last year, you know, just to have the number of tackles he had. If you took the amount of plays, he, he, he's playing about 70, 75% of the snaps. Bobby's playing 100. If you, if you had Jordan playing 100% of the snaps, his, his statistics would be off the charts right, right now. Um, Bobby's playing really well. 
Jordan's playing at an elite level. And so what does that mean? Well, he's making big-time hits. He can run sideline to sideline. He can rush the quarterback. He will knock the you-know-what out of a guard if he does try to attack him. Um, he's a fantastic tackler. His speed and size is unique, and it's the best football I've seen him play. And it's just been a slow progression upwards uh, from him, and I think Bobby certainly helps being back, where he goes, again, I don't have to do everything. I've got Bobby. Bobby, I, I, to me, making the calls is overrated. Jordan's more than capable. But to think that we have now Jordan Brooks and Bobby versus Cody Barton and Jordan, it just makes it it's just more opportunities for Jordan to make big plays. Yeah, because you bring over Devin Bush to kind of fill that void just in case. And it's kind of like now he hasn't been pushed to the side, but you understand that you have two of the best linebackers in the league. Now you got to wait your turn a little bit and make some plays on special teams, which I think that he has done. Uh, when you look at this matchup with the Cleveland Browns, what concerns you the most? Um, their defense. I, you look, Miles Garrett is, he's, he's from another planet. You know, he's 295 pounds, but he plays like he's 250 pounds. Um, for those who didn't hear, hear me, he, he blocked a field goal last week. We've seen guys block field goals, Cam Chancellor and Bobby Wagner. When they blocked the field goal, they had about a five-yard running head start, kind of used one of the offensive players and even the defense players just to help them a little bit get over the pile and block it. Miles Garrett did this from a three-point stance. And it, for those who have seen some of those uh, social media, TikTok things, whatever, where you see a guy in a pool in the water and they jump out of the pool onto the deck and you go, that's fake. That's like CGI, right? This looked like CGI. From a three-point stance, he jumped over the offensive line and blocked the field goal. I've never seen anything remotely like that in my life. It's the most freakish play ever. I, they haven't even talked about it. So that's my concern. They're, they're, they're front. They are upfield. They're 100 miles an hour. So it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a frustrating game of we rush for one yard, rush for one yard, rush for a minus one. You pop a 12-yarder. You're going to have to trap them at times. We're going to have to take shots downfield because to try and go 80 yards on these guys, you know, over 10 series is going to be really difficult. Our defense has to outplay their defense. And I think we're capable of doing it. I believe it. I yeah. think they can. Uh, the way they've been playing as of late, I think they're more than capable. Hey, come join us here at Hawks Live at Bellevue Square Center Court where you have a chance to win a gift card from the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection. Tonight, they're giving away gift cards to Fogo de Chao and Castilla. Yeah. All right, when we return, we'll go deeper into the numbers and we'll look at the Cleveland Browns. That is next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court, live on air on Seattle Sports. Welcome back to Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection. I'm Michael Bombas with Paul Moyer. Every Thursday, we right here, 710 Seattle Sports. And, uh, you know, let's get into these numbers now. The specifics of this matchup, Moyer, now, the game isn't won on paper, but paper will give you a good indication about what you're going to get into. And now when we look at this team, and we'll highlight the Cleveland Browns for what they're best known for, and that is their defense. Their defense is really good, right? The number one defense in all the land right now. They are number seven against the run. They're number one against the pass. They got a guy named Miles Garrett who has seven and a half sacks over there. 
it feels like this could be a Dave Wyman type of game. I spoke to him earlier today. He goes, look, man, it might be 6-0. I go, Dave, I pray to the football gods that it is not a 6-0 game. But if it's 6-0 in the Hawks' favor, I will take it, man. When you look at this matchup, what stands out to you? I'd rather be 13-0 yeah. just so we get a little cushion. Like um, yeah, look, they're two, two of their strengths. Their, their defense is phenomenal. Um, their offense is not. That's where we got to outplay their offense. They do have a good offensive line. Uh, they're not real athletic. Their center's athletic. He can pull. He does a lot of cool things. You got to watch for him, uh, you know, doing some uh, getting out on screens and running some even sweeps and traps and stuff. But they, they are, I think our quickness, which we talked about earlier, uh, really plays in our favor on these guys. They're going to have to move their feet to block us. It's going to be tough. They do not have a quarterback. Um, they've already ruled out Deshaun Watson, even though I wouldn't mind seeing Deshaun Watson because not like he's been playing great either. I mean, he's, I think he still has a ways to go to get back to his old form. Uh, they do have P.J. Walker, who is, you know, he's mobile. Uh, that's where he could probably hurt us. But he's completing under 60% of his passes. They're 31st in offense right now, but they're number two in the league in rushing. The challenge for them, though, is Nick Chubb is on IR, and Jerome Ford is doubtful. And Jerome's pretty good. He's averaging 4.4 yards per carry. But this is going to come down to... I mean, this is the defensive battle. Last week, it was a 39-38 game. I don't see that playing, and that's not the kind of game we play. Browns versus Colts. Browns versus Colts. Um, we cannot turn the ball over this game. It's okay to punt in this game, play little field position, make them have to go 80 yards on us and see if they're capable. They're 29th in uh, turnover ratio. They're minus six this year. And so as good as their defense is, they're not creating a lot of turnovers, not even creating a lot of sacks. I mean, seven and a half sacks has comes from Miles Garrett. But you, if you, if you want to just watch and enjoy football, go watch both of these defensive lines get off the football. Cleveland is, they're going north and south. I mean, mostly north. I'm going that away no matter what. They're not doing a lot of two-gapping. So you're going to have to pick your poison at times. And again, at times you're going to trap these guys. Sometimes we've got to maximum protect because they will play a lot of man-to-man. -man. They'll be up and bump and run with their corners. And they're going to say, DK, if he plays this week and you're healthy, go for it. And we're going to have to go for it. Yeah, and they got some guys in that secondary. You got Denzel Ward, a two-time pro bowler this year. He has one interception and six passes defended. You got Greg Newsom as well. He started all six games this year. He has 19 tackles, two passes defended, one interception. Safeties, you got Juan Thornhill and you have Grant Delpit. So you got some guys who are solid on the back end. And part of the reason why they're solid on the back end is because they're solid up front. And you're talking about Miles Garrett, uh, Tomlinson. Yeah, you got uh, Zadarius Smith as well. I mean, this defensive line is good and ready to go. So it's all connected, right? The defensive line helps out the back end. The back end helps out the defensive line. And I like the idea of not getting greedy and punting the ball and playing the field position game. Because if anything, I want to ask the guy who's only completing 50% of his passes, no touchdowns, three interceptions, to go 75, 80 yards and try to put a drive to him. I'm talking about P.J. Walker. On the other end, I'll take our guy, Geno Smith, when it comes to, okay, put a drive together because at least we've seen it before. So um, I like the, uh, the public service announcement, like, hey, be patient. This, this might be a grinder be to a start little, the game, and then maybe you can time. open it up. Yeah, I, their secondaries, don't get me wrong, it's good. But you can beat their secondary. It's just, can you 
let plays develop long enough with their front four. It's really good front four. Yeah. Um, they again, they 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 got four guys that are, are will be a challenge for us, and so there'll be times where we need to maximum protect and keep like seven guys in if we want to have some late developing routes. I think we can get these guys deep if we can protect long enough. But look, ninety percent of this game is going to be ball out, ball out, some screens. Let's see if we can keep the chains moving. Um, hopefully hit on a, a big run. But, again, I think the running game is stick with it. Just stick with it. I know it doesn't look pretty, but there'll be an opportunity. There'll be a little window, and if you can get that window, there's room in that secondary for you because of the way they play in the secondary. Um, th- we're a better team than they are, and I say that because their defense is fantastic, but we're pretty close. We're a much better offense than they are, and that's what's got to show up on Sunday. I want to see how they decide to attack Miles Garrett. A lot of the times when you have a guy like that, your your initial response would be, all right, we'll run away, away from him. That's not what you want to do. You want to run at this dude. I'm not saying every single time you get at him, but uh, you, you keep him on his toes. And then I want to see how they use the tight ends to help these tackles, right? We haven't seen a lot from Will Disley. He only has like six catches for 57 yards Crazy. this year. But he is the guy. He's probably the best blocking tight end. So I want to see when they decide to attach him to the line of scrimmage and how they attack Miles Garrett. I think you have to be aggressive when it comes to that. Not necessarily meaning that, okay, aggressive, we're going to throw the football down the field, we're going to run at him every single time, but give him something to think about so he's not just freelancing and firing off that football. Well, Charles Cross is going to it's going to be a test because he normally lines up to our left on offense, uh, defense is right. They'll move him every once in a while over if maybe they see it's a real mismatch and maybe they have a player two designed. Um, You know, again, it's not like, you know, Miles Garrett's always in the backfield. He's 295 pounds. And, you know, I used to think, oh, he's probably not a speed rusher. Yeah, he is. Now, I wouldn't say he's an elite speed rusher, but at 295 pounds, he's an elite speed rusher. But he can bull rush. He can spin inside. He can set you up outside. If you create space, he can beat you inside. I mean, the times where I've seen him have success is when the offense, whether the defense uh, coaches for Cleveland designed this, where they didn't slide to the left just to give a little bit of help. All of a sudden, the guard had to come down inside and they created all the space for Miles Garrett for the offense against the offensive tackle. I don't want to see a whole lot of that because if if you get him on a speed rush, he will flip that into a bull rush right. immediately. And the man is strong. He is an he is an elite player. You'll have fun watching. But they got some other guys in the middle, even though they don't got a lot of sacks. Miles got seven and a half. I think the next guy's got two and a half. Then it's like one. Um, it's going to be a fun game. Uh, I'm, I'm more, the reason why it's going to be so fun, my throwback, do you know how many 21, my 21s are going to be in, a, in the stadium on Sunday? It's going to say, we're the spoon on the back. Oh, ball. is that right? I forgot about that. <laughs> I'm going to go get one, but I'm going to peel it off. And uh, I think the crowd's going to be electric. This is going to be a fun week, and we can't lose on throwback jersey week. You're going to have your throwback out there, 21, with Witherspoon. I'm going to have mine out there with a locket on the back. So we'll just pretend like it's ours, you know. It's both Did ours. you ever play in a, the th- – you're too young nah, for that, I right? I, had, I probably played in the worst uniform. Oh, uniforms you were the ugly uniform. The Seahawks oh. <laughs> ever have. So, you know what? I'm just going to adopt yours and, and say it's mine. Do you, you know how they have, like, uh, the ugly Christmas sweaters? Don't do, do you, that. Don't do, do that. Do you put the jersey Don't on? Don't do that. First, no. I, I never put on a jersey that has my name on the back. I don't like that look. 
right, when we You're return. You're see one Sunday, brother. <laughs> when we return, we'll go around the NFL. What's going down? That's next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court. Live on air on Seattle Sports. Welcome back to Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection. Like I said every Thursday, we are right here on 710 Seattle Sports. And it's time to go around the NFL, man. We got the Bucks and Bills in progress right now. 24 to 10, Josh Allen is 30 of 39, 302 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. We were wondering if Baker Mayfield was going to play. He is playing. He's 13 of 23, 124, and one touchdown. James Cook for the Buffalo Bills on the ground has 11 carries for 55 yards. And throwing the football or receiving the football, Stephon Diggs has eight for 55 and no touchdowns. So that's what's going down on Prime right now. But uh, let's go around the NFL. Man, I'm surprised that the 49ers dropped two in a row. Now, I, my question with the 49ers and Brock Purdy was if, if someone goes down, if one of his ballers go down, would he be able to over, overcome that? In the last two drives against the Vikings, he throws interceptions. One of the interceptions I'm looking at it and I go, it was the right decision. He just didn't execute. Um, that, to me, is the next step for Brock Purdy. Can he put the team on his back and say, okay, let's go? Because you look at this Shanahan offense, and it seems like you can just put anybody in there and they'll have some type of success. We'll see that this weekend because it sounds like Sam Darnold is going to be the guy there. But uh, when you saw the Niners drop two in a row, what were your thoughts and, and what are you seeing? Well, the first one surprised me because I just didn't think they, they would lose it. Um, I think last week, though, was even a bigger surprise for me because – you start losing two games, and you go on streak, something's not right. And when I was watching Brock Purdy, and I, I really like Brock Purdy. I yeah. think for, as far as a leader and a human being, how do you not pull for this guy? I mean, he's, he's as good as they come. And I know he's coming off, uh, you know, the, was it the elbow surgery? I think yeah. it was elbow surgery. Yep. And I, it just doesn't look like his arm strength's quite back. And that, not that he's ever had elite arm strength, but that ball floats. So he relies so much on timing, mm -hmm. and you've got to be wide open. He's not putting in between two guys with a window of three feet. That's not his game. He's not, it's not going to happen. The guys are too fast in the league. So now what I'm – and it's – you know how I always talk about San Francisco. What do you got to protect on San Francisco in the pass game? You've heard me say this. How many years? You said make them throw outside the numbers. Make them throw outside the number. Mm -hmm. Everything in their game is in the middle of the field. Cross some routes. Deep in routes. Getting over the linebackers, well, the last two weeks, he's had to float balls over. He's trying to, and he doesn't really have that arm strength. And I don't think he's that accurate if the guy's not wide open. So now he's being forced to actually try to win games. Right. And it's, again, I said this, you, you, you can play as a backup for a while. You can even play a full season if you've got an incredible team around you. But when they start to waver just a little bit, and you need a quarterback to make that big-time throw and really drive it in there, man, I'm just not sure he's that guy. And so until they get Sam, you know, they won't, I think Sam was the only one was out last week. Right? They had uh, Kittle. They had yeah. um, McCaffrey. Um, they had their guys. Had Debo. Yeah, Debo was out. Yep, the, that's the it. Only Debo. Yep. Um, I think maybe their left tackle still, uh, Trent, was out too. But, you know, there's no excuses, man. In this league, they start figuring you out, and they – force you to your weaknesses and that's what they're doing right now and he's going to have to make an adjustment yeah it's um and it's fun for me to watch honestly because 
you feel like you got to check some boxes off if you are a quarterback in this league and want to be considered elite. you got to be able to win some games. And I feel like there's only like four or five quarterbacks in this league right now that I feel like, all right, two minutes to go, give me the football, I'm going to win the ball game for you, man. So, yeah, I'm happy to see. Okay, before you leave us on that, remember I, I sent this to your group text. How about this? When trailing by five points entering the fourth quarter, the 49ers are 0-29 and 29 under Kyle Shanahan since mm. 2017. That's an incredible stat. So if you, they don't have the lead going into the fourth quarter. I mean, I don't know if that's a testament to the quarterback, Garoppolo, Purdy, that, hey, we're putting in your hands, you've got to lead us back. Or Shanahan going way back to the Super Bowl when they, you know, you call it what you want, mm -hmm. but, you know, blew a huge lead and he was the offensive coordinator. I don't know, maybe there's that gag can't quite get it done. <laughs> you know what? Um, I haven't heard that. I, well, once when you, when you sent that stat, I was like, I couldn't believe that was true. Uh, but once you start breaking it down, you think about Kyle Shanahan and his trials and tribulations, it starts to make sense. Um, one thing that doesn't make sense to me right now is how well Kirk Cousins is playing. Yeah. He's the regular season champion of the world, right? His team is, what, 3-4 and four right now, I believe, or 4-3, and 1-2, maybe you flip it. But uh, he's playing at an extremely high level. What are your thoughts on Kirk Cousins? Like, I mean, he's, he's a good one, quarterback. Man. He's always been a good quarterback. I mean, when he was at Michigan State, you knew there was something there. But what caught my attention when he came out of Michigan State was – oh, this guy's a leader. I mean, men will follow him. You know, there's just, it's kind of like Purdy. I mean, when you're such a good human being and you're so humble and you'll do whatever it takes to make people around you better and you don't make football bigger than life, you know? I mean, you, you know where my faith is. So I, I, I put a lot to cousins in his faith in right. God and and the things he does every day, his consistency along the way, and you don't get too bent out of shape when things are, you just keep working to get better. Is he ever going to be the greatest quarterback? You know, I mean, there's, there's a skill set may not, he's not Patrick Mahomes, but man, he just keeps getting better and better. His arm strength's not the greatest, but he, he finds ways, and I think they're about to go on a roll. I was looking at their next six, seven games. Uh-huh. They're all winnable games they might even be favored in. Now, one of my favorite teams to watch when they're not playing the uh, Seattle Seahawks, Detroit Lions. I mean, these guys started off 5-1, and one, and all of a sudden, Baltimore just smacks them, yeah. man. That's how crazy the NFL is. Right when you think a team has had something figured out, there's another team that provides a matchup that's hard for them to really uh, combat, man. When you see the, De the Detroit Lions, you still see them as one of the best in the NFC, or did that loss to Baltimore kind of change the way you view them? Sometimes you just take one on the chin. Um, in the old days, you know, if you got your butt smacked, you know, usually it was like, uh-oh, something's not right. But I've seen the Patriots get smacked and, and come back. I mean, New Orleans has done it. Uh, there's a bunch of teams that get beat up early. I think Detroit's talented. They just took one on the chin. Uh, Baltimore, obviously, is a team that you got to be, if you're going to play them, you know, you better be ready for them. They got a mean running game. They got a complex defense that gets after you. They got good players. Lamar Jackson has got a skill set that's uh, extremely unique, hard to prepare for, right? And he can throw. I mean, it's not just a runner. So that's a, that's a, a good game. Um, can I bring up one, though, on the NFL? You got about 30. To 40 seconds. Yeah, it's not going to work then. I want to bring up that whole <laughs> Kareem Jackson thing from the Broncos. Mm. 
and I need more time for that. We may have to do that on uh, right. the, the pregame show. Can we, we'll do that on the pregame show on Sunday. I, I have some thoughts on that, and I have written out, uh, what, is, what, is, what is unnecessary roughness? <laughs> uh, by the way, that wasn't, there, that wasn't even a rule no. when I played. There was no such thing as unnecessary There was a late hit. There was spearing. There was a block in the back. There was hitting a guy out of bounds, a late hit, things like that. But there was no unnecessary roughness. Unnecessary roughness is subjective. And when you go and read their, their code for it, it's Section uh, 8, Article 2, uh, I can't remember. It read like truly a, a, a <laughs> law book. And I'm like, what, what are we doing here? And it was, We're making the game and by the safe, way, Moyer. And by the way, they, fought, they suspended him for two games, and the letter they wrote him said, while your hit was legal, it was unnecessary roughness. You actually had time, and they, they chastised him. They basically talked down to him that you had time, and you could have made a better decision. You didn't need to do this. And I'm like, that guy's never played DB in his life. you got to be kidding me. Can you guys tell what side of the ball he played on? On the defensive side no of the ball. No one talked about the quarterback. On the defensive side of the ball. And by the way, hey, if the receiver Paul, we get out of had here, a turn dog. towards the sideline, that play wouldn't even have happened. <laughs> but no, it's not on them. Sorry, go ahead. It's like my wife. We don't want to talk about this, but hey, listen, bro. Well, we're going to talk about let, it later. Let, let's talk we're about gonna it. We're going to talk about it later. Hey, make sure you check out the Bellevue Collection Dining District. So many great restaurants to choose from. Today, we had our pre-show meal from Foga de Chao. We had steak, chicken, pork, salmon, Brazilian cocktails, capadinha. It was awesome. When we return, we will hear from Olu Oluwatimi in person. That's the center, one of the centers for the Seahawks. That is next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on Seattle Sports. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. Welcome back to Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bumpus. That's my guy, Paul Moyer. We're waiting on Olu. He will be here in a minute. But you know what? Um... We got some passion behind the topic we were just talking about, about Unnecessary Roughness. One of my favorite movies growing up was Unnecessary Roughness. You remember that movie? Yeah, tell your mic I do. Paul, tell your mic Paul. Yeah, I remember Unnecessary Roughness. I mean, most of the, the good college ones, I think we got Olu here coming. So what, that remember we, we were going to break. He said, you know, you're like my wife. You just you keep arguing it. And I said, yeah, we'll go to break and we'll come back and argue. Yeah. We're going to have to postpone that to later. Yeah, it's going to come back like yeah. tomorrow or something yeah. like oh, that. Oh, it's going to come back at some point. Wake up in the morning. All right, now we, we are go. joined by there the man himself, go. Olu. <laughs> Sidestep on everything. Oh, look, man, good to see you. Yes, sir, Olu. What's up, man? Good to see you again, man. Good to see you again. Olu, man, we appreciate you taking time out of your Thursday and coming and holler at us, man. Um, you know, you guys got a, a task in front of you, coming off a, a good win against Arizona. How's the body feeling? How's the team feeling? Uh, my body's feeling good. I'm still young. Um, <laughs> I think the team, we're feeling good. We're pretty healthy, and uh, we're just excited to compete this weekend. You know, I was he just uh, asked a question. I was because, yeah, you haven't played every game, and then all of a sudden you're in every snap. It's a physical game. You're used to just your college career, which we'll get into as well. I mean, you have played darn near every snap probably since you've been in ninth grade mm -hmm. are you a little more sore than normal or are you truly hey i'm young i'm good no nah, truly i'm young and i'm good i mean around this point in the season 
like guys that played every game, you know, their, their body probably aches a little more than mine, but shoot, that was my first start. <laughs> what's, uh, what's your relationship like with, uh, with Andy? Uh, he seems like a laid back type of guy. Does he ever get amped up or is he pretty even kill most of the time? Nah, I haven't seen him ever get amped up in my time here. Um, he, he's the same guy that you guys see whenever you guys interview him. Um, he's the same guy in the O-line room, same guy on game day, during the game when stuff is going bad or when stuff is going good. You've had some pretty good coaches, smart coaches, I'm going to say. I mean, you go back to your Air Force days in Virginia and certainly at Michigan because I know, you know, Harbaugh is he's a guy who wants to run the ball and is about offensive line. Now you're here with the Seahawks. What what makes a great offensive line coach? Uh, what makes a great offensive line coach is being able to uh, coach different body types. Um, everybody in the O-line room gets things done differently, and uh, it's never really a one-size-fits-all because some guys are longer limbs. Some guys are more athletic than others, but you just got to find different ways to get the job done. And then the coach being able to give people the, the, the right tools, the right um, coaching points to be able to figure out how to do the job. You guys run a little bit more spread offense here where, you know, Geno's in, in gun. He, he'll get under center. I imagine in Michigan it's probably more flipped. He probably were quarterback under center quite a bit. Is there a different technique Michigan was, was teaching than uh, they do here with the Seahawks? Um, I would just say we, do, we run a different scheme. So running a different scheme, you, you know, requires different techniques. But, um, you know, we run some of the same stuff we ran in Michigan. And um, but we also have a different wrinkle, so it's good. Yeah. I come from a military family. All mm -hmm. branches are covered, right? Yeah. And uh, my dad's a Marine, and my uncle says he's the smartest one out of the family because he went to Air Force. Okay. <laughs> now, you initially started at Air Force. What was it about Air Force that attracted you to that program? I mean, honestly, coming out of high school, I just was, you know, I didn't really have a lot of offers. Air Force is kind of like my best opportunity academically and athletically, so I just decided to you know, go there. And you, you, you end up going to Virginia, mainly closer to home. You're, he's from Maryland, long way from home. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, do you, did you go to Virginia just, hey, this is a little closer to home? Well, so I, I really wasn't enjoying my time at the Air Force Academy. And um, my boy who I went to high school with, he was a year older than me. He, went, he was at Virginia, he was playing DB, and he was just like, bro, like, we could use some linemen and uh, like, I mean, I wasn't doing well at Air Force, and I knew I wanted to kind of be closer to home. I also wanted to be at another great academic institution. So uh, Virginia just made sense. Well, and you have an incredible career at Virginia, and it, you know, in the ACC, and you end up at Michigan. So just share with them, how, how did that transpire? Going from Virginia to Michigan? Yeah. Um, well, after the, what, 2021 season, our head coach, uh, he resigned, and I, I wanted to enter the draft, but the, you know, the scouts said I should come back to school. I had one more year of eligibility, so I was like, all right, I'm going to do that. And uh, Michigan just kind of was the perfect fit. You know, they were coming off a great year, um, going to the college football playoffs. And I felt like, you know, me going there and just the, the, um, the momentum that they had, I just felt like it was going to be a perfect match. And uh, it, it was. We had a great year. I mean, we... We thought we should have went a little further, but hey, we didn't play our best game against TCU. 
I've never uh, never played at Michigan, never been to Michigan, seen mm. movies and stories about it, man. What's it like running out there? What you guys feel like, 100,000 in that thing? How many How many show up? Oh, shoot, it's like 110 every week. That's nuts, man. Yeah. The most I ever played in front of was, I want to say, 95,000 at Auburn. Mm -hmm. But, uh, man, there's got to be a certain sense of pride running out there. It's one of the more, one of the more iconic universities sure. in the country, man. What's that whole experience like? I mean, it's awesome. It, it, it really is. Just the first time we ran out, um, we were playing Colorado State last season and um, just running out and hitting the MGO Blue banner. It, it was just an awesome feeling. And then as the season wore on, I mean, when you're in it, you don't realize the magnitude. But um, now that I'm out of it, you know, just it was awesome. It These was stadiums good. are nothing in the NFL now. Like, what's 65,000, <laughs> man? What the heck is this? They still get loud, though. They, they <laughs> get real loud in the NFL. These yeah. stadiums get loud. Well, because Michigan, if you've ever been there, it's, 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 you know, it's built down and, yeah. as well. But it's got that Rose Bowl feel because it's completely one section and, and it's open. And while there's 100,000 people there, I don't know if it's louder than Lumen Field when that thing oh, gets nah, cranking it, up. Lumen is definitely louder. Um, and the infrastructure, the fans, it, it, it's all of it, it, all of it together. It gets real loud in Lumen. Now it's 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 so cool, man. I mean, for those who haven't been there, I was telling, it's just an experience. You got to go to a game just to experience because it is. No one sits down. I mean, it's a, it's as close <laughs> to a college atmosphere as you can get. Yeah, man. You know what kills me when centers get penalties. For looking down and looking up, looking down and looking up. Mm -hmm. You know, and they call a flag a false start on the center. I go, what did he do? Mm -hmm. Like, do they give you an explanation about is there a certain technique you're supposed to do with, with your head moving important? Like, how do you avoid those penalties? Um, you, you avoid them best by pregame kind of going to talk to refs and looking what they're looking what they're gonna call, looking for um, you know, just the different things. Cause you know, the NFL sent out memos to the refs mm -hmm. of certain things they want them to call just so they keep the integrity of the game. So, but just having that conversation, if you try to do it after you get a penalty during the game, it's probably not so gonna right. go well. They're, they're, <laughs> they're probably just gonna ignore you. So getting them at the right situation and just talking to them and being calm, because you know, if you, if you meet them and you're not in a calm state, right. no good is coming from that. Is there like a, how quick you do it? Like what feedback do you get? When you have that conversation with the referees, do they tell you, look, slow it down before you snap the ball and you're looking important? What type of feedback do you get? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely like they don't want the jerky movements. Mm -hmm. um, they want like smooth and fluid movements. So they do give you that, food, that feedback. Luckily, I haven't had a false start this year. So um, hopefully I can continue that throughout that the whole year. <laughs> you know they don't call anything on offensive players, man, <laughs> except Last week, you guys do the Wildcat. Is, is it called the Tush Push? Is that what this is called? The Brotherly, oh, yeah, yeah. Brother, brotherly, brotherly show. show. I don't know. I see the signs. I guess I just got in trouble on the air. But um, they called, it was actually, I think, your hand that was next to the ball, but they called it on the guard. They got that one wrong, I believe. Yeah. Did they give you guys an explanation on it? We tried to get an explanation, and um, the umpire, or the dude spotting ball, I think it was the ump. He, uh, he didn't say anything. So one of, one of those times, like, you know, they just call a penalty and uh, right in the heat of the moment, they're probably not going to say nothing. They're just going to want you to play the next down. But, um, it, you know, we talked about it in meetings that it was, it was a play that the refs were going to just try to, you know, uh, referee more than usual. Just, I guess, with how well Philly has been running and how um, other teams probably been in the neutral zone and things of that nature. So we knew that they were going to call it tight, but we thought we lined up 
um, correctly. Uh, that, they, they, they got that one wrong. Yeah, I think they saw your left hand, which may have been in the neutral zone, but I mean, you're the center. I mean, yeah. you could have both your hands on the ball. It's in the neutral zone yeah, or on there. So, Hold yeah, on, you just said you ain't had no penalties. He's trying to give you one right now. No, man. no, no. Let they called it on the guard. On no, they what called it on me? the guard, but I it know. wasn't the guard. And it wouldn't have been that penalty if they had known it was a center. Yeah. Okay. That's all, all right. I'm saying. I, I'm, I'm, trying, I'm just trying to look I'm out for you. I'm helping him. I'm a defensive sure. guy. So, you know, I mean, I don't mind penalties <laughs> on offense. Hey, man, um, you know, before we let you get out of here, man, what's it been like in the Northwest? You know, I, I came from California. Paul came from California. And, mm -hmm. and you make the move. You're a bit further. Culture's a bit different. But how, how you like it so far? I like it a lot. Um, I haven't really got out and been able to experience. I mean, I'm trying new restaurants. That, so I guess that's my experience. But, and, you know, just ex experiencing, like, all the outdoor stuff. I'll probably get more of that in the off season when I got more time. But, um, you know, my brother just moved in. He, he's a travel nurse. And uh, nice. oh, he, when his day's off, he be doing a lot. He, he said he loves Seattle. So, and he's been to a lot of different uh, spots in the country. So, Fogo de Chao. Check it out. We well, ain't there. I, I was going to say Bellevue Collection with this sponsor. You can hang out here for a month mm -hmm. and not hit every restaurant. Okay. And they're, they're so good around here. It's the whole Lincoln uh, Center as well as in Bellevue Square. And it's called the Bellevue Collection, all, all the restaurants. So it's, it's pretty good. Okay, so real quick, have you found a favorite place that you want to eat? Is mm. that your go-to that they treat you right, but at the same time leave you alone? <laughs> My favorite spot. I actually been to Fogo, um, but uh, man, I like this spot called Lake House. Yeah. It's in Bellevue. It's a nice restaurant. Um, one of one of my teammates put me on. I've only been once because I, you know, it's, like you said, there's so much place to eat. So I don't want to double dip. Yep. I want to just keep experiencing <laughs> and find a new favorite spot. But Lake House is probably the one that comes to my mind. It, is the food different than uh, where you grew up from, Maryland, or is it kind of similar? There's more options out here. Um, that, that's the one thing I'll say. But growing up in the DMV, like, there's so many cultures. They got, they have, every, you can eat everything. But when I say there's so many options, like, just with, like, how fresh things are, like, being right next to the water and the different seafood options. So, yeah, that's the difference. All right, man, we'll let you go. Hey, um, Baltimore, they do a dance. I don't know what it's called. You do that dance when you go, when you go back home? What's that nah, called? No, I'm, I'm from South Maryland, so okay. I'm, I'm not right. from B-more. You but a DC guy? They got the Avenue. They got the Month. They got okay. a whole bunch they of... They got a whole yeah, bunch of stuff yeah, going on out there, man. Different things. Were you, right. are you, were you a command, Redskin fan back in the day? No, I grew up a Packers fan. Oh, you did? Wow, that's yeah, really awesome. Packers, there you go. Hey, give it up one more time for Olu, <laughs> man. We appreciate your time. Coming up next, man, we'll go inside the film room. We'll look at Jackson Smith and Jigba's touchdown. We got Jake Bobo's touchdown and also Devin Witherspoon lighting up Rondell Moore. That is next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District of the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court, live on air on Seattle Sports. Welcome back to Hawks Live, man. We were just joined by Olu Olu with Timmy. Nice young man, Paul Moyer. Nice young man. So now it's time for us to dive into the film room. Me and Paul are sitting there trying to break this thing down. The first play we're looking at, Geno Smith finds Jackson Smith and Jigba for a 28-yard touchdown. His first of, the, of his career. Pistol formation. Play fake to him this time. Geno's going to throw right down the seam. Touchdown, Seahawks! J.S.N. with the touchdown. His first career score in the National Football League. Tyler Lockett picks up the ball. He's going to save it for the rookie out of Ohio State. 28 yards and a dart thrown by Geno Smith. The Seahawks on the board first. They lead 6-0. All right, so what we're seeing right here, we got uh, Geno in shotgun formation. Got 
two receivers to the left of Geno, and then you also have Noah Fant in a two-point stance. You got Trips, essentially. Trips or Trey, however you want to call it. And uh, Noah Fant is the closest to the line of scrimmage. He releases and runs a deep cross. You can call it a post if you want to. Then you got Tyler Lockett, who runs the corner route. Then you also have Jackson Smith the Jigba, who's outside of Tyler Lockett. He runs the post, and something happens with the safety. Buda Baker doesn't flow with the post. He ends up going with the corner. Up top, the safety is held by Noah Fant's cross. And Jackson Smith and Jigba is wide open. Moria, what you see? Well, you and I talked about this a bunch. I mean, my first thought was, oh, they blew coverage. And then I kept watching this more and more. And I don't know if they're playing quarter, quarter, half, and somebody screwed up. Um, the way we used to teach quarter, quarter, half, you'd run with the number three receiver down the middle of the field because that's the weakness of the defense, middle of the field. It's kind of like cover two to an extent. Um, but then I think maybe they just said, look, when we have a – spread between the inside receiver and the outside receiver. In other words, the inside receiver threatened Buddha quick, and Buddha said, I am now man-to-man -man with this guy, because that's what happens. Or the old days of quarters, if once they got, you know, 12 yards downfield, it became man-to-man -to, -man right. to you, right? right? And then there would be combo things. So if all of a sudden there was an underneath route by the outside receiver, then all of a sudden you would combo that guy deep with the corner and the safety. So I'm almost thinking, okay, they, they have a little bit of, of spread between the distance of the inside guys about three or four yards ahead of uh, JSN on the outside, and Buddha then says, I'm now man-to-man -man with him, and he turns at that point. And so he doesn't see now JSN slide underneath the route and work back to the post. So I'm going to give it, this was just something they game-planned, and we're looking at it going, well, that's a bust. But let's look at it even more. And, okay, when they're downfield, what, what do the safeties do at that point? Does it turn into man? Does it turn into zone for them? And this way they probably just said they turn it into man-to-man, -man, and we're going to run basically a, an underneath, you know, rub type of route uh, that's deep. I don't know if that made sense. But yeah, it made sense It's to a me. touchdown. I know that to JSN, and he's starting <laughs> to get better. So that's the good part. Yeah, man, JSN, you can see this, the tempo that he's playing with, the confidence in his route running. Uh, Gino does a great job of finding Jackson Smith and Jacob because if not, man, uh, like you mentioned during the break, man, Kobe Parkinson gets beat. Gino gets hit. Nonetheless, touchdown. Good guys. This next play, man, Gino Smith finds Jake Bobo for an 18-yard touchdown in the back of the end zone. Bobo comes wide to the right with Lockett slotted inside of him on first and 10. Ball at the 18-yard line. Gino again has time looking. Now he's going to go to the end zone. Bobo's out here. Jump ball. Bobo makes the catch, but I think he's out of the end zone. He comes down with that. Does he have the ball in his hands? I think yeah. he still has it in his hands. He's talking to the official. He caught it, and he fell out of bounds. Could not get that second foot in. We're looking at Pete to see if he's going to drop the red flag. He's got it in his hand. He's Now he throws it. He was waiting for the guys upstairs here to get a good look. Well, while we were away, it is in fact a touchdown by Jake Bobo from 18 yards out, one-handed, got one foot in, and then the toenails on his right foot. <laughs> it was on, on the toenails. Um, and by the way, you said earlier, I don't know if this is Trips or Trey or whatever. We used to actually, Trey was when the running back was behind the, the center, you know, wherever that was. In this case, it was, he was behind the quarterback. If the back was offset to the trip side, we called it triple. And if he was offset to the weak side, we called it trips. 
So just let you know. defense making it way more complicated. Well, it was just so we knew that where the running back was in a tray type of set, and that was the offsetter behind the line of scrimmage. Sorry, a little coaching lesson there for us back in the day. And this, they line up again, three wide receivers to the left, and this would be tripled to me because the back is offset to the trips, the three wide receivers, and he actually motions back to the weak side, which ends up in a trips formation. How's that? Why are you trying to sound smart right now? I'm, so, not, hey, I'm not. But this is this, this is route. Trey. This is Trey. This is right. The, the route. <laughs> is the same type of route that Bobo ran the week before when he got the first, uh, or maybe it was last week, when he got the first third down conversion. It's an option route where he fakes like he's going to run kind of an in route, and then all of a sudden he breaks it to the fade. Um, So very similar route for Bobo. I know he likes this route, and he should. He's 6'4". Throw it up, and that's a huge advantage. But this guy, he's a special kid. You know, again, he's not the fast guy in the world, runs good routes. you got to get it to him relatively quick. Um, but he's got really good hands, great awareness where the sideline is to get his, his toenail down, and that's what it was. It was a toenail. And we argued about uh, they're probably not going to give it to him because they ruled it out of bounds. As a matter of fact, their cornerback, number 24, Starling Thomas V, he's like pumping like, yeah, because he pushed – uh, Bobo, uh, we thought was out of bounds. Um, I don't know if he was celebrating though after when they reversed that for a touchdown. But great, great play and a great throw by both Bobo and Geno Smith. You ready for your lesson now? Give it to me. Not an option route. That's just a slant and go. Let's call that a slow go. Well, option he, route he will be it an option, option though. Option route will be if you sit at five to eight and you have the option to go left or right. If you're I, going I up the you. field, it's a double. I'm move. just telling you what Bobo explained nah, Bobo of what he wanted from no. an option. No, no, no. He I said he an said option he route said an option route was his favorite route. He didn't right? say that was an option he, route. He described that, but no. I'm not going to argue with the receiver. No, he did. I agree. I think that's more of a double move, like a slant and go. But it was the same type of deal he did on that third down play, which he called it. It was. It was. I digress. All right. Okay, next play. You'll I, like this I, one, Moyer. I speak Spanish. You speak German. No, I speak Spanish. My wife is Mexican. There you go. <laughs> I speak German. I got that all backwards. What's next? Uh, Moyer, what play are we doing next? Devin Witherspoon lights yeah. up Rondell Moore. Yep. Second down and one. Dobbs looking to throw. He does. Ooh. Oh, my goodness. The hit. <laughs> was by Witherspoon, the catch by Rondale Moore, and how he hung on, I have no idea. It was a good, clean, legal shoulder hit by Witherspoon on Moore, who held on after picking up four yards. Holy smoke, what a shot. Yeah, I'm surprised that they didn't call that unnecessary roughness uh, (laughs) on that. He just has a feel. Someone asked me uh, about this hit, and I said, you don't see a lot of big hits anymore because the target line's so small. You see a lot of what they call unnecessary roughness or penalty big, still big hits. But you don't see very many where it's clean. They don't throw the flag on it. And, and partly, as I mentioned, the, the, the target zone's so small. I can't have big hits anymore because I can't hit you really above the shoulders. I, can't, you know, I can hit you at the knee, but it's just uncomfortable for a defensive back to do. You have to have unbelievable athletic ability to do this. It's, again, he's had more big hits already in his career than I did in my career. He doesn't have as many interceptions. That's why 21 is still uh, out there. How many you got, Moyer? More than him. Um, double digit somewhere. So, but what he has from a complete game, uh, the way he can mirror a receiver, his length, uh, knocking down passes. He has a lot of passes defense. He might lead the league in it. Uh, the way that he can intercept and then the way he plays in the run game, and then to have this type of 
I don't know if we have a guy on our team that can do this. Um, Jamal can to an extent, but Jamal doesn't have that kind of quickness, you know, the lateral quickness like this guy does. It's just God-given. And you know what he loves? He loves football, and he's 175 pounds. He plays like he's 240 pounds, and he loves knocking people out. It is fun. Moyer, um, you had 11 of them things, I 11 did. interceptions, 6 in 1988. I did. Had three call back in 88, too. Really? It hurt my feelings. Pro drop, Bowl. Drop you made three. the Pro Bowl that year? Alternate. Should have oh. been. Should have been. It, you know, that's popularity contest. It is. It is. Paul, what I like about this play right here is how, and correct me if I'm wrong, Witherspoon gets off of his responsibility and just plays football, right? It looks like he might have, depending on how you're playing it right, you might have a court over there or you might have the flat. Either way, his responsibility is the number one receiver. Then he flies off of that and smacks the number two receiver. At some point in a play, you just got to play football, right? And he sees the ball being thrown. He says, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and make a play. That's probably my favorite part about this. Yeah, I mean, you brought up a really good point on this. It's, um, there are some people that just don't know how to play the right distance between two different receivers in a route. So his guy probably messed up. He should have cleared him out. Uh, but he didn't. He actually ended up hitching up as well. Yep. And so the, the outside receiver, and Witherspoon's on the outside, his guy, his receiver, hitches up about five, six yards. Witherspoon shuts it down. So he has about a five-yard cushion. So in case the guy does run a hitch and go or they bring another route, try to behind him, he's in position that he can fall off to that. But he's watching the quarterback, too, and he's feeling the other receivers. And as soon as he starts to make that throw, he is gone like a bullet. Matter of fact, Jamal is on this guy, mm -hmm. and Jamal is like three, four yards away because the guy's so quick on that out route. And Witherspoon, I don't know, man. I, he runs a 4-3, but on football field, he runs a 4-1. Yeah, man. The young man can play. Okay, that was inside the film room when we return, man. We're going to break down and talk that tough. Make sure you come join us here at Hawks Live at the Bevy Square Center Court. You have a chance to win gift cards from the dining. Just got the Bellevue Collection tonight. They're giving away gift cards at Fogo de Chao and Castillo Restaurant. All right, Talk That Talk is next right here on Hawks Live. It's time to Talk That Talk with Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer on Hawks Live. We are back. Hawks Live, great conversation with a coog. Son just made the Newport Select basketball team. Congratulations there. Yeah. I'm Michael Bumas with Paul Talking Moyer. Talking some golf at Glendale. Talking some golf, man. That's how you get Mike us. Montgomery. Oh, That's look. how you get us. You start talking some golf, man. No, we, if we he comes up. back and then brings me out to Glendale, did you hear that? Uh, we're, we're good. So Paul with the network. Gotcha. All right, man. It's time to talk that talk. This is when uh, Moyer tells me that he's right. And, um, and you I, tell I, me when I'm wrong. And I might agree with him every now and then. Sometimes we don't. So we go through some topics, read them off, then we go back and forth. You guys can clap, you can boo, prefer you clap even if we're wrong, and, uh, and we'll do this thing. So first one we got, Moye, Daryl Taylor will prove he can be an every down player. Mm. Mm. Well, I got some claps out here. I think he's capable. I think it's gonna be challenged for him because we got Frank Clark here, you got Derek Hall, and, uh, you know, Mafe's become a starter. I mean, he's, he's going to be a really good player. 
he's gonna have he's gonna it's, he's gonna have competition for an everyday down. Yeah. But you know what I want from him? I want him to prove it to me now. We had on um, Bruce Irvin last year, uh-huh. and he talked about Daryl Taylor. He said, guy, he he's got all the ability in the world. He's just got to want to. Does he want to be on the field every day? And he challenged him. And uh, this is his time, man. This is his contract year. Uh, He's going to have the opportunity to start, and he'll be on the field every down until he proves he can't be. That's a good point because guys tend to turn it up a little bit when it's time for them to get paid. And it's weird how it happened for him, right? That Jenna Wosu is gone. He has to be the next guy up, especially this week, because I don't expect him to play uh, Frank Clark every single down or because the channel was getting 67% of the snaps. There's no way Frank is going to get that, right? So let's see what DK, DT can do. So is that a yes or a no? I'm going to say, let me, let me read that again. You said Daryl Turner will prove he can be an everyday player. I, I'm going to say, yeah, I think he's going to he's going to prove it. I don't know if he's going to be on the field every down, but I think he'll prove that he's capable of it. All right, I'm with uh, you there. All right, number two. This guy's playing as good as anybody we have on the field right now. It's been, I don't think anybody of us saw it because of the injury so late in last year, and that's Jordan Brooks. But if you go and watch the tape, Mm -hmm. that guy is an all-pro player. The question is, Jordan Brooks, will he get all-pro recognition this season? Here's the thing, man. I'm trying to pull up real quick just who's up there because all pro is voted on by your peers mm-hmm. correct pro bowl is more the fans or whatnot it's a third of the fans and however they do that and when i think of all pro in the nfc i don't know if all pro might be the media too um writers association okay um i think he should but i don't think he will because you know how they do the seattle seahawks you're tucked away up here for some reason you get overlooked unless this defense cracks like the top eight when it comes to overall, then I think he'll start getting more love. So I'm going to say no, but I, I think that he is playing at that level and we'll continue to play at that level. But because of just uh, just the politics around, it just seems like the Definitely Seahawks politics. always, um, I don't want to say the word, get overlooked when it comes to awards like that. Well, I think his biggest challenge will be because of the popularity of Bobby Wagner. So Bobby's going to have an 175 tackles again this year. He plays 100% of the snaps. Jordan will probably be right there with him. But if you take number of snaps productivity, I'm telling you, Jordan will, will get there. You know what it's going to take? I truly believe this. It's going to take Pete and take some lobbying, and it's going to take Bobby Wagner saying, that guy deserves to be all pro. He deserves to be in the Pro Bowl. He's playing like it, and he needs the recognition that he deserves. You think Bobby's going to have to sacrifice himself a little bit to get this man in? Yep, I do. Because it's so, look, Bobby's playing well. And, and once you've been all pro, as long as you continue to play well, you don't have to be the best linebacker. Uh-huh. You just have to continue to play well because you're going to get those votes. And the, the, the writers, they're not watching everything. They're looking at tackles, right? They're not looking at impact plays and the type of hits and him covering sideline to sideline. And, uh, I mean, look, he's really good. And now here's the other thing. I don't know, Bobby probably deserves it too. 
I'm not taking anything away from Bobby right now. He's playing <laughs> the best I've seen him play in four years. Um, but I think a lot has to do with Jordan. It has a lot to do with our front right now. And, you know, if you're not a top 10 defense, it's hard to get two of those guys nominated. You know what's crazy? The top duos in the league when it comes to linebackers, both of them might be in the NFC West with Fred Warner and Greenlaw oh, man. and with Bobby Wagner and Jordan, Jordan Brooks. Brooks. I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, that's tough. All right, next one. Miles Garrett won't have more than one sack on Sunday. My man has seven and a half on the year. Um, Boy, not more than one, right? Not more than one. I am going to say... I, no, I think he's going to get two. Yep. <laughs> and they'll, and, the re, and I, I'm going to give you the why real quick. All right. I think the reason why is I'm watching the game we're going to have to play. Gino cannot mess around. The ball has got to come out unless we maximum protect it and we take some shots downfield. That uh, that pocket up the middle collapses. And then and Miles Garrett, they, they'll do some times where, again, they'll bring, they'll force our guard down and they'll create space Charles Cross versus uh, versus Garrett. That's a tough task in itself, and that's okay. You recognize it, get rid of the football, right? And Cross will hold him off. He ain't gonna hold him off for three, four seconds. So. Right. so that's one. And then two, they also are really good at collapsing the pocket. And if Gino doesn't get rid of the ball, Gino's not a step up in the pocket guy. I don't think you can retreat on this guy. He's too quick, he's too strong. You don't want to give this guy time. Uh, you got you got to get rid of the ball. So, I just think this game is going to be tight. We're going to have to throw the ball to win. I think there's going to be opportunities for Garrett to get two sacks. I think everything you just described goes goes back to your point to where you think that it's going to be a low-scoring game. You got to be patient and play the field position because you're describing Geno having to get the football out quickly. And uh, we know that Geno's more explosive plays are when he can pat the ball a couple times and let things develop and take his shots. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you there too, man. I think Miles Garrett, he's just that good. He can get two or three sacks, and the Hawks can still win this game. It's just about when he gets it. It can't be the final drive. You're down three, and you need to make something happen. Yeah, there's a couple of other good ones here. I, I was gonna go with this one, but I'm gonna change mine. All right, I'm gonna change it. the Seahawks. And by the way, two weeks ago, I would not have brought this up. Mm -hmm. The Seahawks have a legit shot to compete with San Francisco for the NFC West. San Francisco's five and two. We're four and two. Four and two. Same losses. Two game skid. Sam Darnold's at quarterback. They got the Bengals this week. Let's we'll see what the Niners do against the Bengals. I'm going to say yes, they do have a legit chance. If the Niners did not drop two in a row, obviously it'd be a different story, right? Mm -hmm. But I think because they dropped two and because of the injuries, I think they're in there. What say you? I think they have a chance to elevate again, right? They have really come back to the pack. I think a lot of it is Purdy because he's forced to make big throws, and uh, they found his weakness, and he's going to have to adjust to it. They're massively talented, but if we get past – and so my answer, quick answer is yes. Yep. We beat Cleveland this weekend, I'm a definite yes. All right. Let's get it done this weekend, man. That was talk that talk. I don't know who won that. It was a tie. It was a tie. All right, when we come back, we'll get our show recap and final thoughts to key to victory. That is next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District of the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court, live on air on Seattle Sports. You are listening to Hawks Live. This is the final segment. We got our 
soldiers out here. I salute all of our fans. It went from 500 to about 150. Yeah, but it's a good 150. It's a good 150. You know, I mean, it's uh, it's the people. It's kind of like at a, at a wedding. Uh-huh. Everybody there is the people I want there. Right. Um, how you feeling about this weekend? I, honest. Straight boy, up honest. You I, and I just having a cocktail. Just you and me. No one's just listening. You and I, no one's listening. Just you and me. How you feeling? I'm nervous. Yeah? I'm nervous about this game for a couple reasons. Backup quarterbacks play their rear ends off against this team. McCoy, Walford. Purdy at the time, we're trying to figure out if he, he was legit or not. So you got P.J. coming in. He hasn't completed a, a touchdown yet. But the thing that always keeps you in the game is your side of the ball. It's defense, right? My side of the ball, you can score 45 points, but someone can score 47. And you have to be more efficient, right? There's more pressure when you got to go shot for shot. When you got a defense that can go in there and make a play for you and keep you in the game and shut down an offense, those are the teams that scare me the most. So I look at this matchup. And I say, all right, if Gino was playing a bit better off these last two games, I might feel better about it. If we didn't just have our first 100-yard um, game rushing, I might feel better about it. We've only had one receiver have over 100 yards this year. So I look at wow. just what the offense has and haven't been doing, struggling in the red zone, only 36% on third downs. I go, this is, this is set up for the Cleveland Browns to play a really good football game. Um, so I'm nervous. I think the Hawks can get it done, but I, I'm nervous. How, how are you feeling about it? Well, it's, I was going to ask you a, a follow-up question on what, are, what is the best matchup for us. And, you know, in the old days, um, you know, during the Super Bowl runs, I'm like, let's play a, a, a weak offense, great, or excuse me, a, a great offense, weak defense, because mm -hmm. our defense was so good. And, you know, as long as we could put some points on the board, 20-plus points, I think we're good. I think this is that game, too. You know, if we can get to 20 points, I feel pretty good about this yeah. one. I mean, their they're backup, their starting and backup running back are, looks like they're both, well, I know one of them's out, probably both are out. You know, you got a backup quarterback's not a great thrower. They've won two games, but not because of him. Um, I just, this game, the reason why it makes me nervous is I think Houston, I think Cleveland can force us into some distress where we're trying to force things and maybe turn the ball over. And that can't happen. And, and I, you know, again, Geno's played really well, but he's had like two bad decisions the last two games in each game. We can't have those two bad ones. You know, he cannot say, oh, I think that I'm going to force that. Not, that can't happen. The other one for me is Geno last year had 15 touchdowns when the ball traveled more than 20 yards in the air. We've got one this year, right. and we, it, we've got to score some easy ones. I just, again, I don't see us having a bunch of long drives. I think this is probably one of those games you have six, seven punts each, win with some field goals, a timely uh, touchdown here or there, and you know, hopefully you force a couple turnovers to make it easy for our offense. If you're the Cleveland Browns, are you bringing pressure and manning up on the back end? Well, that's what they do. Uh, and it, they, look, they're not blitzing a lot. I mean, they, they can rush with four guys. They'll do a lot of five-man rush, though. And it, you see them, um, they'll, they'll play their right corner. I think it's, uh, sorry, I'm trying to visualize now. Uh, the right corner, whatever corner, he'll play a lot of man. He don't care. He don't care who he's on. Safety's not cheating over that way. He's up and bump. And if we got those, we got to take the shot. And, you know, we got height advantage with both DK and maybe you do a Bobo one. Mm -hmm. I think JSN has some, some opportunity. I mean, I mean, we got lots of guys. We got D. Eskridge. I don't know if he's going to play. 
They played really well in, in uh, camp and in, in the preseason. We were really excited before. Yeah, I forgot about D. D is activated. I heard you say that on uh, Wyman and Bob's show today, yeah. that D is activated. Where does he fit? Is there even room for D right now in this receiving group? Yeah, I think there's room. Um, you know, you're going to carry five wide, five wide receivers, so maybe Cody's down mm -hmm. uh, at that point. I don't know. I mean, they're going to have to look at the special teams. Maybe they don't activate him this week maybe it's you know another week down the road because you know he's got to get his his uh, football legs on him too but he's explosive and all of a sudden you want to go four wide outs you know uh -huh. there's you got two pretty good slot guys right there uh dk's not a hundred percent you know I, I there's nothing wrong with having a lot of good athletes out there and and spreading it around and we already know this last week dk was out Gino was more to his, I'm just going to throw it where the defense isn't, right, rather than I got to go here. Right. And that's when he's at his best and uh, when he's not forced into somebody. But we are going to have to take some shots downfield, and I don't know how much time DK is going to get, though. All right, real quick, before we get out of here, will you be wearing the throwback uh -huh. Paul Moyezy uh -huh. oh, on yeah. Sunday? Yeah, you'll, yeah. Be seeing it. you'll be seeing the big shoulder shoulder pads uh shirt what's weird my wife wore my jersey not that long ago and i go how did i get in that thing with shoulder pads it's tight i mean it'll be tight on me now and, uh, you know and i like to think i'm okay right now but that just shows how fit we were back that <laughs> back in those days man i, I won't put mine on i'll wait i'm gonna bring an extra one just for you just for me you wear it for me i'll, I'll wear it for you uh, you want Hey, special thanks to Miles Adams and Olu Olu with Timmy for joining the show. Our board operator is Max Strober. On-site engineer is the lovely Brenna Rogers. Production assistant is Chauncey Sanderson. Our executive producer is Nasa Chobi. The Seahawks pregame show is live this Sunday starting at 10 a.m. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Bumpus with Paul Moyeezy. We'll be back next week right here on Hawks Live.